Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This week, sitting in, Missy Clifton is joining Tom. And it's over to you, Tom. So, every story to me, or every song to me, that is typically got a story attached to it, that's going to run out at like 2.15, so put it down. It's not a very long, it's not the whole song. So... I think that the first album I bought of Jimi Hendrix was not this album, but it was a it was a, an album called Rainbow Bridge. He did this it's kind of like a musical and it wasn't very good, but his uh, playing was uh transformative. And the way that he played a guitar was, I mean, it just, it didn't even exist in the same universe with most of the people. His dexterity and facility and the use of the instrument, I I believe, I really do believe that we'll be listening to his playing in 200 years, in 500 years, there isn't anything like it. There really hasn't been anything like it, and there's not going to be anything like it. Because music that comes out these days is really not getting any better. It's it's worse because people have gotten worse. And by that I mean they're dumber than they were. It's not that they Do are tell. essentially dumber, but they there is less and less of a a real uh, push for excellence. Or and, curiosity, maybe. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, if you look at um, if you look at how Jimi Hendrix's uh, career kind of evolved, there's some old stuff of him playing in the backup band for little Richard. And uh, he was he, he was just back there with the guys going back and forth. One guy had a sax, the other one. There's one, uh, look, on, look up Jimi Hendrix and uh, Shotgun. Um, and I think little Richard is there on it. Uh, but... He's back there, and then he starts. It's like he's he's sort of like the kid in the classroom that doesn't stay with everybody else. He starts kind of running around, and uh, he, he he just is waiting to break out. He can't be just a part of the band. Shotgun, Chuck Berry, Jimi Hendrix, or not Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Jimi Hendrix. But then when he finally did break out it was so complete and unique and uh you really wonder if he'd lived past whatever 
age 27, if he would have uh, been able to do something. Let me read the psalm. And he did something, but he could have done more. But some people, you know, they have this great apogee, and then they, you know, they're gone. And and that's kind of what happened with him. Same thing with Janis Joplin, other uh, shooting stars that just had this remarkable um, talent and, and incredible ability to bring together all these different elements of certain types of music. And then they were gone. Psalm 53, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. And this is an important verse. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. I've got a friend. He, he said a prayer. He said, oh, Lord, just if I could find somebody else who prays to you and thinks about you the way I do. And I said, maybe God's saying back to you, I'm looking for that guy too. Verse 3, they have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then that's kind of, they get into, like a lot of Psalms do, they change direction. So I think about this whole debate about guns. And, you know, we know that 21 people were killed in Uvalde, Texas, right outside of San Antonio. Just drove through it three weeks ago when I went to a funeral. San Antonio. And the chorus and the outcry are all so incredibly predictable. And it's the chorus and the outcry of a mob thinking that they know what the problem is and that they know what the solution is. Thinking that they know that it's people who are standing in the way of this or that. Let's think about it. If it wasn't a gun that was used, it could have been a knife. It could have been poison. It could have been a lot of different things. It could have been a bomb. It could have been a number of things. So it's a gun. And or his vehicle. Yeah. Who have you heard talking of this crowd about the guy that went through the town in Wisconsin? I don't know. It's been maybe a year ago, less than a year, and killed, what, 12 people in a parade? You don't hear the same gun control crowd screaming about that because it doesn't meet the narrative. And let me tell you something. These people are 
are excited when this crap happens because that means they're closer to them getting what they want. If you don't believe me, you just look at the politicians, the slimy bastards, the people on Facebook who wait around for crap like this to happen so they can trot out the BS that they promote, and yet they say they're all upset over these kids getting killed. Who's the one screaming and capitalizing on it? And they are so unbelievably self-righteous. Now, one of the things that I have always believed and still do is that when you're screaming to me about my sin, typically you're the one that's got a problem. So there was a thing on Substack. Is that like a company? Can, can I jump in? Well, of course. Jump, jump, jump. Your thoughts, I should have said. This is I, Missy Missy Clifton, by the way. I, I can't take anybody else's inventory and, and what, what, what motivates them to do what they want to do. And, and But unfortunately, you do have these social media platforms where, you know, everybody gets to grab, the, grab the mic and, and have their say. Um, along, along in that line, um, our esteemed former president, Barack Obama, posted or he tweeted, as we grieve the children of Uvalde today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd. I, I saw that. And, and I, I couldn't, I, I thought, oh my gosh, he did not just say that. He did not just put that out there. What relevance did that have? And the one, the first response, one of the first responses that I saw was, um, it was uh, the red state editor Kira Davis said, "Not a single grieving parent today gives a rip about what happened to Floyd or anyone right now." Th- that's it was completely inappropriate. I that's thought, typical of people on the left. I'm not going to mention. Not who time it, to be advertising. I'm not going to mention yep. who it was. There was a woman who put a post up quoting a scripture about hope. It happened to be the anniversary of the death of this person's son. And some other person that is one of these school shooter maniacs didn't even take enough introspective time to think about why this person might be putting that post up and said, our country is so screwed up, I'm torn up, uh, and talking about the school shooting. Wrong context. But do you think even now this person realizes what they did? Even now, do they get it? No, because the problem is these people have zero, and I mean zero, self-awareness. They are so convinced of their own righteousness that they don't even understand the kind of uh, damage they do to other people in the process of spouting 
They're goofy and even destructive rhetoric. And you know what? These are the same people that would stand in the way of mental health. This, this is this whole line of thinking is what emptied out the mental hospitals and said, you know, you're free to go about and and basically rather than care for those who have these issues just say okay well the fact that the guy got a gun and there there's some weird things about this where did he get the money to buy two five thousand dollar rifles what's going on with that how did he get in the school why did things take so long and i, bet, I don't know I bet i know somebody that's done a little research to find these answers well, I think that if Sandy Hook, and I don't, I don't know about your story that you're talking about before. I, I just know that critics raged, you know, raged at Obama for even bringing Floyd into the equation, and and maybe, uh, you know, again, I get uh, your left wingers wouldn't. Well, they'd, they'd think, oh, this is a great thing to push that. Well, it's like if Sandy Hook, you know, taught us anything, it is that um, that that our children. And our schools need to be safe, and we don't live in a that it's reality that we don't live in a society anymore where people can just bust up and bring cupcakes and and gain access. There are just too many things that happen, and so there have been protocols that have been put in place, and and you know there are security protocols, and there were security protocols in, in Texas. I, I was actually reading an article talking about the that they had just recently, you know, fine-tuned some of those those things, which included that, you know, you always had to provide an ID, that um, fence perimeters, um, you know, that there is security on staff. Um, you know, those things failed, obviously, in this situation. So they just, there wasn't anybody at the door. The dude just walks in. Well, and, and the, you know, the other but issue. you don't hear any of that in the thing. No, and but the other issue is, is that, you know, this, how did this, how did this mentally unstable, uh, this kid, how was he able to, um, you know, pass a universal background check to purchase these these uh, expensive rifles you know how did how did a gun-free zone a school that's a gun-free zone fail to keep him from getting in how did security that is part of the the process at that school as well um, you know how, how did all of this fail how were the parents you know the, the parents were kept out of the building for apparently 40 minutes to an hour um, even when they heard shots fire and it took the gentleman that did go in with his team that was an off-duty border control, as I understand, to you know, go in and stop the, you know, the onslaught. I, there are, there's so many questions. It's, it's a real, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's curious. It, it raises more questions um, in the after. But if you say that kind of thing, you're considered pursuing all kinds of conspiracy theories and in fact i saw just an ap article that immediately rose up to sort of quash these things we all understand we're going from crisis to crisis, crisis. to I, crisis every week and let's get our eyes off the last crisis let's don't think about ukraine now let's don't think about covid let's don't think about any of these things we've given the ukrainians 40 billion dollars that'll be used for god knows what we spent five trillion on covid that but it'll get pissed away on this or that oh let's now move on to gun control and they're already 
these, these people move so fast it almost makes your head swim. I've said that every week. I've said I feel like it is an orchestrated event after event after event so that we are just constantly, you know, uh, jumping to the next pad. Exactly. Concern. Well, you know, it's, I, after 9-11, we didn't, we didn't ban planes. We, you know, we, we secured cockpits. And we, we learned how exactly. to, that you are in That's a, a fragile point. situation and you learn how to mitigate um, <laughs> you, you know, potential risks, things that you never thought were going to happen before. And again, um, in these school shootings that, that uh, you know, schools are obviously places just like concerts where you know that there are going to be a large number Listen, of... Listen, it's almost like, well, I, I wouldn't say it, but it's almost like these things are low-hanging fruit. Well, the and the interesting thing is uh, I just read an article on the FBI. It was discovered the FBI had wiretaped and gathered personal information on like 3.3 million Americans without obtaining any warrants or anything. And although that sounds alarming and you're thinking, oh, they should have known that this kid was sending out some serious signals, he posted pictures on social media of these rifles. Um, and God, you can you could post something about COVID, and you were knocked down within you know an hour. Yet this kid posts pictures of assault rifles, and nothing happens um, on his Instagram and Facebook. I mean, he, this 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 kid was disturbed, and, and, and it, it almost sounds like it was a, a plea for help, a scream for attention, I, in some and way. they didn't, and it happened, and they. In th- this is getting to be a pattern. A lot of these things, same thing with the Buffalo thing. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember there was 10 days ago, a guy went into, or 14 days ago, went into a thing in Buffalo and decided to shoot a bunch of basically elderly black ladies, older right. people, one of whom was a, right. was a, 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 like a Sunday school teacher, a wonderful person. They knew about that guy too. What what is what's the problem? And, and they course, want this stuff to happen. The kid thing is a hook for everybody. It 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 it's yeah. like you it's know, like putting it, a picture of you and your dog on Facebook. It, it's You're going to get 116 a likes. And well, it's it's it is the tragedy of young lives lost. And there is I I, I won't take anything away from that, no matter what sure what the position is, but. But it's all of this, you know, we are supposed to, you know, these tragedies happen um, and things that that are out of our control or are they in our control? And I'm sorry, I would suggest that the name of the game on this one is mental health. And securing Cause to the your things. Point, a that, car, a, a knife, a gun, it didn't, you know, what it would have been one thing or another. Yeah, but this same group, it's interesting. Chicago had 787 homicides last year, probably 92% of which were caused by a gun. Do you ever see these same folks decrying what is obviously black-on-black violence in Chicago? No. You know why? Because... It's not part of the narrative that we want to talk about. We like prosecutors who are soft on crime. But then when it's a school shooting like this, well, we change the narrative. It's it's now about guns and how bad they are. These things are, are like you say, it seems like it's choreographed. It, it was, uh, you know, it took a human to shoot that gun. Guns are not... Uh, for my personally, guns are not the problem. It's the people that are 
you know, it's the people behind them. Just as you said, like anything else, you, you could have accomplished it many different ways. I don't even know. There's something about it that's even more sinister than mental health, but I won't go there. So it's just, you know, it's not, there's something not right about it. And it takes somebody to step back from it and not parrot the talking points and say, wait a minute, I'm a person with a brain. I'm thinking about this. And and it just isn't making sense to me. All right, it's time for a break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton sitting in. I will also add to that. I have been to several schools, and it is hard to get into the ones that I've gone to. And you have to pass a lot of security checkpoints. And so I'll just leave that there. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour. Joining us, Missy Clifton and our host, Tom Dupree. Okay, this is, I think, three weeks in a row I've played a different song from the same album by Jackson Brown. There's something about 
this album and the song mix on it, when he was writing it, he was in a place in his life where he was really thinking beyond (laughs) the next album or the next song. He was thinking about bigger issues. And I mean really bigger issues. And there just aren't that many songs like this that I know of these days. Now, it could be that I'm completely out of touch with some little band in, I don't know, Palatka, Florida, that's putting out stuff like this that I'm just not hearing. And that's possible. But I go back to some of the things I learned. I I can only go with what I know. That's all I can do. And I have to use the very little things that I know in order, you know, to build on something. I don't know a lot, but there are certain lessons I've learned over and over again. Now, let me talk about the economy for a little bit and the markets. Uh, As you know, if you've been following things, the, the markets came way down. It looked really like, God, we're in trouble here. And it's almost like the people screaming about gun control. An event happens, and all these screamers come out of the closet. The same things hap- The same thing happens in the financial markets. You get a dump of the market, and then immediately you get predictions of we're going thirty to forty percent lower than this. I call it the geniuses. Well, you know, I've been in. I saw there was one. Th- money manager can't remember the guy's name Um, funny thing is you try to google these articles and go back and find them that came out like three weeks ago it's hard they're hard to find i wonder if they somehow take them down but anyway the dude says i've been in the business 38 years and this has got the most negative everybody's got their indicators that are saying this thing's going to go a hell of a lot lower and what's it done it's basically rallied for five days. And I mean, strongly, you know, th- today's Thursday, uh, the market is just about to close and it's up, uh, let's see on the Dow, uh, we're up, uh, almost 600 points. We had another good day, you know, I mean, and it's, it, it's not just a little dead cat bounce. We're talking volume, usually up volume on an up day. When the volume is high, the amount of shares traded, that means you've got big-time money and buying coming in. Go ahead. You stopped me at dead cat bounce. (laughs) A dead cat bounce is you're in a bear market, but you have one really big up day, and then the market goes back to being bearish again. It's called a dead cat bounce. You're supposed to sell a dead cat bounce. In other words, if the thing bounces 2%, you're supposed to get out. Okay, anybody that tried to sell this thing, there's willing buyers that are buying what they're selling. You see what I So what does it tell me? A lot of times almost everything you're being told is wrong. Especially if it's by a lot of people together convinced of their own rightness. It's almost a truism. The crowd, especially if they're frantic, 
it's going to be wrong. I don't care if we're talking stocks, we're talking school shootings, we're talking politics, we're talking uh, orange guys bad, you know, we're talking uh, vax. They want to pound it into you. I've always felt like you scream at me about my own uh, failings, sins, wickednesses. You point at me. It's because there's something going on in you that you don't want to look at. That is, it's always true with me. If I want to point out something you're doing wrong, it's because it's something about me. I don't want to, you know, look at. That's except in really the case good. of, in ca- except in the case of Elizabeth, yeah, I and I do have some <laughs> constructive things for her every now and then, which of course she resists, which is oh fine. No, no, it's true even with her. Um, it's like you even say, you know, our team, you know, the team approach here and our philosophy is uh, time is only good when you have confidence in the the company that you've invested in. Correct. And you and you know that the confidence become comes because we've researched, we've gone in, we've done the deep dive, we've looked at, you know, the company, the product, the mission and the and the people that the managerial you know approach. Um, we feel really good about it. Um Time works based on for you. research time works for you then but as you all said time does not work for you when that information is if it's not a there. bad investment time a, isn't going to make it a good exactly. one exactly and that's true of a lot of things now it's my, true of a paint color well my favorite story that i actually told we had a lunch meeting today tom and i did and my favorite story not is, just the two of us no, there was another person yes, there yes Okay. Any, anyway, um, but we were talking, uh, Tom went and the team went to go see a company and Tom gets so much out of looking into somebody's eyes and the countenance and their response to questions person to person. And he asked a question of this individual and was very uncomfortable with not the, not this recent one. This was no, a long time. ago. No, this was a while ago, but it's still one of my favorite stories. Tom didn't wait till the end of the meeting. He excused himself from the meeting, went out and called back to the office and said, get us out of that now. That's what you get from going and visiting companies. The way that you do research that maybe you don't find somewhere else. Well, I don't know about that. It's just, you know, it wasn't non-public information. It wasn't anything. But you went there to find it. it, I didn't go there to find anything that wasn't in the 10K or the 10Q. That's insider trading. We don't do that here. We go to find out public information that people are overlooking. Tell me about this line in the 10K. So a 10K comes out once a year. A 10Q comes out every quarter. If you read either a 10K or a 10Q that is put out, it is a very deep dive into the earnings of the company. It looks at the income statement and the balance sheet. Of course, the income statement is affected by many items. And the accounting is typically GAAP. G-A-A-P, Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. So they can attribute 
value or non-value to different things. Accounting is a way of telling a story. It's how you describe whether the company's this or that. Can it be manipulated? Oh, of course. You can use this to describe that, and it's all legal. So that's why you have to ask questions that sometimes go beyond what Gap will tell you. We're looking at one company right now that we think Gap has it all wrong. It shows the company with a negative net worth. This is not one we own in the portfolio, but it shows it with a negative net worth. But that's an accounting fiction. Enron, 1999, right up until the thing declared bankruptcy, all the way down from 60 bucks a share to $9 a share. Some brokerage firms still had a buy rating on it. Why? Because they did not realize the level of the fiction that had been essentially foisted upon the market. Now, they came out with a law as a result of that called Sarbanes-Oxley, which meant that the CFO, the CEO, and other high-ranking officers had to sign off on the financial statements each quarter as being correct under penalty of law. In other words, these people could personally be put in prison. Now, son, that's accountability right there. That's that's actually something I agreed with. Absolutely. And, of course, when we, uh, we, we just recently, last week, all flew up to New York to meet with a couple of companies, and it was – it's pretty hard. You, you got to be a pretty good actor to sit there and look cold at a group of people and, and not, and, and not be able to camouflage how you really feel about the company. Like for instance, one of the companies that we saw the, the excitement of, of their current position, uh, the, the, it was complete optimism and it was hard for the CEO to, to hide that, the COO to hide that. Palpable. Yeah. Palpable. So it was palpable. The reason that I don't mind having, quote, non-investment people come on these trips is because the interaction, the human interaction can tell a tale even if you're not deep in the weeds with the financial statements. You can pick up on things that, that you know, optimism and fear and and things like that now what did i say you know a week or two ago i was talking about uh truth and beauty and things like that goodness and value and ethics and uh probity stand on their own no matter what the screaming crowd says or tries to say otherwise, truth is its own counsel. It is its own apology. The better companies, the better things in which to invest, whether it's financial capital, time, effort, belief, trust, faith, Love, 
all those things, the better stuff will ultimately hold its own and the time will test it and it will uh, hold up over time. The hard part is ascertaining what those things are because as human beings, we are subject to being knocked off the course. We can uh, be, uh, for lack of a better word, deceived. Don't stop there. I did. <laughs> I mean, what you know, who's got an example, you know? Who knows what I'm talking about? I mean, somebody knows. You know, I'm not the only one that's ever been deceived before, you know? Who's been sold a bill of goods? Well, I will say one thing. You are not good at it. So that's not good at what? Selling a, a bill of goods. It's um it's a blessing. Let me just touch on this. Uh, this is an article on, on the Substack. We aren't raising adults, we are breeding very excellent sheep. Our elite this is by real William Darasiewicz, Polish name. Our elite college graduates know how to imitate, but they don't know how to be independent. Uh, this is somebody who taught at Yale at Eng English. Um, and he had said, I had some vivid idiosyncratic students that went on to write novels, devote themselves to the church, or just wander the world for a few years. Free thinkers. But mostly, I taught what one of them herself called excellent sheep. These students were excellent. Technically speaking, they were smart, focused, and ferociously hardworking. But they were also sheep, stunted in their sense of purpose, waiting meekly for direction, frequently anxious and lost. Who's known that? They've been sold a bill of goods by the world. They did not think for themselves. Their parents didn't encourage it. They their their life experiences never pushed them to the edge of the precipice where they were in real risk or danger. And so therefore, you know, they never did get there. There's a piece you you shared that with me and there was a piece in there that um that hit me uh that college in that in that opinion that college is just an extension of childhood that's not what the, it said not the beginning of adulthood and you think about back at the greatest generation that you know uh that 20 didn't even go to college yeah well that but there were there were 22 and 23 year olds that were parents that have you know mothers and fathers that 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 were already in well into their lives, homeowners, right. you know, you know, they were, you know, living the American dream, if you will. And uh, you think anymore that 22, 23, they haven't, a lot of these kids haven't even put their, and I'm calling them kids, haven't even put their big, they are the kids. Yeah. Failure to launch as we, you have used that term. And it's true. It's, it's not only describes one or two kids, it describes a whole generation launch into the difficulty and powerful, tonic of reality that living is yeah, independence and responsibility you know that that was uh again it, it just doesn't there's that uh, that powerful um you being take you know taking care of yourself you you've you can you know you're 
health, that you have a job that has health care, that you are paying your bills, that you're able to afford the little things that you want to afford. Here, here's another. I like this. We'll have to get this done quick. Freddie DeBoer remarked, somebody wrote a column, in a different context that for the young progressive elite that these college people, quote, raised in comfortable and affluent homes by helicopter parents, there was always some authority they could demand justice from. That is the precise form that campus protests have taken in the age of woke. Appeals to authority, but not defiance of it. Today's elite college students still regard themselves as children and are still treated as such. That's the part I read, yeah. Now, I would also say this about these. I don't know if you've uh, looked at this uh, new press secretary that Joe Biden has. Um, she's She may be Haitian, but she's black. And um, her she frequently refers to racism. This is racism. That's racism. It's interesting. When racism is trotted out, it's always directed typically at a white audience. So it's as if it's an appeal to the authority that whites seem to carry, despite the fact that people say now, well, that's all illegitimate. They still want to drag it up, and it's as if they're saying, please consider that this is this and this. And you know, my thing is, I know that the name that I have, which is called Dupree, means of the field in France, means peasant, means in the 13th and 14th century, slave. Yes, I'm the same color as the people that my family worked for, but the slave aspect is still the same because if you were not nobility in Europe in the 13 or 1400s, you are effectively a slave. Every race on the face of the earth has been through some form of slavery or other. And I think nowadays there is other kinds of slavery going on. There's slavery to addiction. There's slavery to jobs there and, and thoughts so video games a lot of things so let me see if i can chew gum and walk yep i got the music going you are listening to the tom dupree show you're so good missy clifton and tom dupree in just a few minutes we'll be back with our finance guys to talk about she's pretty good uh, to talk about what has gone on in the markets this week Stay tuned. As always, if you want more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can find it at dupreefinancial.com under the blog and radio tab. We'll talk to you in a few minutes.